Republican, everyone. This is Dan Duva. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. New digs for the program. First episode of the podcast from the new Vegas Golden Knights studio in Summerlin. Another way to enjoy SLGND, streaming live. And, of course, available for download, as always, wherever you enjoy your podcasts. This episode features a lot, winning the last two in Calgary, in Edmonton, to create a three-point division lead. Vegas has 11 wins in 13 games, so what's working? How about that goalie rotation? The soaring stock of Shea Theodore, Nick Waugh filling roles, and the ongoing positional competitions with 11 games to play. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D-Hotel. And now, here's Dave! I wonder if people, before we started doing this, like streaming it now from our, our brand new studios, I wonder if people thought like you did that originally every single time on the podcast. <laughs> or was that just for that? Here's Dave. Was that recorded? No, that was no, a real deal real. every single it's, time. It's, it's, it's every time. There, it's people every can time. see you, so you have to stop doing that now. They can I'm see doing, what you're I'm doing. doing, 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 doing they can see how what Gary has to Here we go. He's on his phone. thumbs are tired already. You know what? Do you want information or... Uh, yeah, what do you got? What just came out of that device? Well, that was the call from the electrician. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my heavens. All the important stuff here. Well, welcome to our... Uh, they're not brand new, but they're new for us anyways. We've, we've done one show here, the Trade Deadline Show, and then obviously our yeah. friends at AT&T Sportsnet uh, have done some uh, their shows from here as well, and we've been on the road. But uh, great job by AA and everybody involved here on these studios. Spectacular. It's unbelievable. Uh, right here in uh, downtown Summerlin at uh, Golden Knights World Headquarters, we mentioned before, Four, that's not real fire, uh, so everyone's safe back there. But should we acknowledge how big your name is? And that's the awesome. I love how us? the uh, I love how the Golden Knights logo is the V in my name. That's fantastic. I don't know who designed that, but we, it's perfect. They put Dave's name right between Gary and Shane's head. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to make an appeal again. We have to get some garb. We need some T-shirts. We need something. Well, you see it right down below, the logo. Yeah, that's right a fancy front. situation, yeah, I like that too. Microphone on there. This is Las awesome. Vegas. This is bringing the podcast to video. This is like a whole stuff. new world. Yeah, it almost seems too good for us. <laughs> yeah, podcast used to be the theater of the mind. You couldn't see it. Well, now you yeah, can see it. I don't know if that's story. a good thing or not. But uh, yeah, it's just someone walking in now. Someone just strolling in. Not a problem. Uh, but anyway, we're brought to you by the great uh, D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights, the Sheriff Lawless some guy named Dave, along with Dan Duva, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. It should be uh, Dave and Dan, maybe. Maybe work that in. Uh, we'll just take Dave and put Dan. <laughs> Might be better off. I, we've explained this before. So the, so the people don't hope Dan is being slighted. We named the podcast before we hired Dan. That's why it was... Uh, is that Sheriff, what happened? Yes. Yeah. yeah it was Sheriff. I mean, we, we hired these guys, and Tosi and I were kicking around ideas in the office, and I was like, I don't know, Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave. And Eric liked it, and he's the boss, so it stuck. That was it. Uh -huh. Then we hired you and put you in charge of the whole thing. <laughs> so you've kind of been... Uh um, yeah, Dan deserves a lot of credit. Yes, and gave you no recognition yes. whatsoever in the uh, title of the show. Great way to treat your radio partner. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Gary. We usually do. But anyway, uh, so the Golden Knights, uh, a brief stop back here at home. The team uh, had three games on the road, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Edmonton. Brief stop back here and then right back on the road for a couple of more in Minnesota and in Colorado uh, coming up later on in the week. But as we sit here right now, guys, I don't know how you guys look at it. All I look at is what's their cushion from ninth place in the conference, right? How far would they have to drop to miss a playoff spot? Right now, it's 10 points. Um, they're 10 points clear of ninth place Vancouver. Canucks have three games in hand, but that being said, they have to win those. And for the Golden Knights, 
They're on a heck of a run. Um, since the coaching change, 15-5-2. They've lost two in a row once. They have not lost two in a row in regulation at all under Pete DeBoer. When the team was in Montreal after uh, DeBoer took over, Paul Statsny said on camera, we need to start to win two of every three. And go, coming back from the All-Star break, there were 30 games left. And the number that I kind of fixated on was 20 wins. And that would get them to 100 points. So there's a lot of sites out there that do pr- projections. Right now, uh, Vegas, hockeyviz.com is my favorite. That one has Vegas 99% uh, chance of making the postseason. It also has them, uh, their points projection is 99 points. That's one less of uh, uh, if they win seven more, seven of their last 11, they would get to get to 100. So that's kind of the, the those are the numbers that I've been Working off of uh, since uh, since the All Star break. What have you seen? What you're, you're about to laugh? I'm not Jade. a big What's projection guy. I'm, I, you know, maybe it's the player in me. You look at the next game. So, yeah. I, I, to me, I evaluate the last road trip. Two or three. Didn't you know what? And to be honest, I didn't mind parts of that Winnipeg game. Just a bad start. It really kind of magnified how important the starts to the game were. But I thought they they had some pressure. Hellebuck was good in net for Winnipeg, but still, you lose. Not good enough move on they were able the thing you like now is their ability to make adjustments so play the flames what was their strength their start then they kind of fell off of it I thought they were really good though in the third period with the one goal lead they gave up two but they were good after that find a way to win and of course against the Oilers uh, it shouldn't even been that close there's no way that game should have went to overtime Um, but now you talk about you're in first. That's got to be your goal, to wrap up the Pacific. Yeah. They've got a three-point gap now on the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, teams have games. Don't worry about games in hand. Worry about that next game. And, you know, they're going into a couple of t- against a couple of teams on the road in a place in many where they haven't had success. They've struggled against the Avalanche. Um, but not even looking at the Avalanche. They've got to bring their game. I like their body of work when I watch this team play. I think they're defending better than they have since the team has come here. Uh, they're, they're keeping things the outside, blocking shots. There's a real awareness to play away from the puck, and I think it's helped them generate more offensively. They've been good off the rush. Uh, one area, and Pete DeBoer mentioned this, he said he'd like to see them get a little more offense off the cycle, off the grind. Well, they did that, a defensive zone draw. Riley Smith, the great play, pressure by Carlson in overtime. So uh, this team, I think, I think there's a confidence building, and uh, for me, uh, projection is to win out. Win the final 11. I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> but that? We had Fan but Fest. Projection is to win the next game. We had Fan Fest. They had won five or six in a row, maybe. And we had some of the guys on stage for an interview. I asked about it. I said, do you think you guys could win out? At that point, it was like the final 17 or 18. And, and they all looked at me like most people do. Like, you're a moron. <laughs> Dan, your thoughts. Right. Well, I, I <laughs> can't agree continues. with him on that. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but, you know, the, the, what Pete DeBoer had said uh, before the game the other day, uh, actually, it was last night. It was the game at Edmonton where he said to us about the the first period had been a struggle where they had been outscored 5 nothing in three straight first periods combined. And then they went and scored the two in the first period against Calgary. And though they had a 3 nothing lead evaporate, they held on. Um, what he pointed to in that first period had been the goaltending. He said you need a goaltender to make big saves early on. Happened a couple of times where Vegas gave up a goal on the first shot that it saw. And that changed with the Calgary game. And then 
the back and forth conversation of Flurry to Leonard and the competition. And Pete DeBoer said that the competition can be a great motivating tool. Well, I mean, Robin Leonard's 3-0. Flurry's first game after the trade might have been his best game of the year with the shutout. Then two games where he was not good, gave up four goals in each of them. But then, even though there might have been uh, a goal, maybe two, where you say uh, like he might have been out of position, or even a play that was not a goal, that maybe he was out of position, he did make some big saves late in the game and in overtime. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That, One on Ethan Bear. That's the timely save you need. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I wonder, Dan, now you mentioned so there's six games since they acquired Robin Leonard. It's been a straight alternate so far. I wonder now as they move forward, you know, will that continue? They only have one back-to-back left coming up just in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Dallas, Arizona. Dallas, Arizona. Home away. Um, we asked Pete DeBoer. We have our little visit with him uh, after his media availability a day of games. And um, he didn't really want to go too far down that road. You know, is it going to be a straight rotation the rest of the way? And I, he maybe he has not made that up in his mind. And I wonder now as they move forward, how do they dole that? Right. And, and, and why would you have to make that decision any sooner? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you, you make the decision from game to game. I don't see that there's any advantage by making a pronouncement about two, three games. This is take it a game at a time. Clearly, the plan for now is to alternate goalies until something else develops that would force him to move off of that routine. Maybe that happens. Both of the goalies have had shutout wins, and Pete admitted that normally you'd go back to the same goaltender after a shutout. But given the situation, you want Leonard to to feel like he's going to get a start, Fleury's going to get a start, and so that their next game isn't contingent upon how well or how poorly they play. But Yeah, I was going to say, and he's going to put this to Gary. So now... Okay, that said, they only have one more back-to-back. So you've got a situation now where maybe you should give the goalie a couple games in a row. Is that the right way to maybe move forward on this rotation to give them each, you know, whether it's two games to start, each get two games, see how that plays out? Like, let's not kid ourselves. This whole thing is an evaluation. Right. 100%. Or competition, whatever you want to call it. Wouldn't Marc-Andre Fleury like to go to play one more game right now after having just played a pretty good game, but not perfect? You know, he needs, he may argue, I need to play more to get to that edge, to get tuned right in to where I need to be. And Robin Leonard, maybe the same thing. You know, it's been, it's been a lot of space between starts at, at certain points. So, you know, I need to see more pucks in a row to get to, like, Flurry had three shots or half the game, halfway through the game last night. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Meanwhile, you talk about guys wanting to get more pucks. If you, say, start Flurry in the next game, which is in St. Paul Day after tomorrow, then that means Robin Leonard wouldn't play yes. again until yeah. Sunday. This, this wouldn't be the time, this wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. the time yeah. to do it because yeah. there's a bit of a gap One here. game in five days. And they've yeah. got a few of those. Hmm. You know, like they play uh, the 18th in Arizona, in Arizona, then they get two, three days until their next game. That, that trip at the end of the year. Of Winnipeg, Edmonton, Massive. Calgary, Van, which could, I don't know if it's going to decide whether they're in the playoffs or no, not. No, I guess more position. It's more where you finish for all of those teams. Right now, Winnipeg's the the first wildcard team. Yeah. All those teams right now, Vancouver's battling to get in. We just saw Calgary and Edmonton. It's a massive trip, but to your point, it's every other day. There's no back-to-backs there, so I'll be curious to see how they, how they dole it out. The, but the issue is it's a good problem to have, and they didn't have – a good problem like this before they acquired Robin Leonard. I mean, if they wouldn't have made this deal, if they thought this would have been all flurry. Yeah. It would would have just, and that would not be a good thing for him. 
the, by game the time on, they get to the playoffs. The game on Thursday in St. Paul is going to be an awful lot like the game in Winnipeg a week ago because now Vegas has built their cushion up again a little bit atop the Pacific. Minnesota is a team that's one day they're in, one day they're out. So Vegas will not have, you know, DeBoer said it's hard to, to manufacture desperation. Minnesota's going to have it on Thursday night. Vegas is going to have to find a way to match that will. Because the last time they were in Minnesota, they got absolutely wallpapered. You, you don't want to be in that situation again. You could make a case, Gary, that since the change, that's the worst game they've played. They didn't have a lot of energy. Um, it was the third game in five yeah, nights in three different time lost zones. Lost 4 nothing. Um, they had just come back from the trip out east after the bye. They didn't, have much, they didn't have much in the team. They didn't have anything. You know, they haven't had many stinkers. Over but the they, last they did last weeks. night. Yeah, they had plenty in the that tank. Was three last and night. four. Plenty in the tank last night. Lost that game four nothing in Minnesota uh, back on the February February the eleventh. Something about that building. Yeah, they've had they have won they have won in regulation in that building, right? Their, the only win was their first win of last season right, overall. Beginning of the year. Shootout. shootout. Eric Holla. Eric Holla. Yep, scored. Um, Minnesota Wild. So uh, the sheriff lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast, coming to you from our beautiful new studios here, City National Arena downtown, Summerlin, the Golden Knights, uh, getting set for two more quick ones on the road. We want to tell you that our podcast is also sponsored by the great people at Finley Automotive, Chevy, Jaguar, Acura, and Lincoln. If you need a vehicle, go see these people. They are the best in the business. Uh, Shane, Jay Theodore's been doing well uh, <laughs> lately. Uh, right? <laughs> he's had a good season, but it seems like he has taken it to a new level as of late. Now, the, the overtime goal last night, the goal of the minute 10 left in Calgary, but a lot more to it than that, that he has really, really emerged as a, as a top-notch and, and one, of the, one of the better defensemen in the NHL. He's an, elite de- he's an elite defenseman. I think that word goes with him right now. We've always talked, I think I used the word elite when we talked about his skating ability, uh, his mobility. But, and then everybody sees the offensive parts of his game. What I think gets overshadowed is how good he is defensively, especially on that offside, because he doesn't give players time coming down that left side. I've been watching a lot lately. He, he cuts off plays. He's got a really good stick. But more than anything, the best way to defend is he moves the puck so well out of his end. And it's whether it's a short pass, whether he skates it out of trouble, or else that long stretch pass, he, he's one of the best at it. Uh, I believe that... And there was people at the beginning of the year, I remember listening to thought, you know, Shea Theodore kind of a, a long shot for Norris conversation. Well, I don't know if he's in the top three, but to me, he's kind of in the Norris conversation. And I think he's going to be in years to come. He's really put himself in that position. If he can stay healthy, he's got the talent. He's got the ability. Uh, I think more than anything, he's learning how to be an NHL defenseman. And, and that comes with age. And he's still a young player. Uh, I just think he's a tremendous talent to watch right now because you're watching him emerge. And, and that's the exciting part. We've, all, we've talked about where's his ceiling. Well, I don't know yet for points. Is he a 70? Is he an 80-point guy? Possibly. But I think his defensive game for me has really come along. And, and Mar- Alec Martinez talked about it. He said he's easy to play with. We don't have to defend. He skates the puck out. He moves the puck out. You're always in the... And then it's his reads, right? Now he's understanding when to jump into the play, how to get back... It's all, it's all the maturation process that's uh, really developed with him. And uh, I just, I think, uh, arguably, he's the, the MVP of the Golden Knights this season. I was driving home from the plane last night. It was, you know, quarter to two in the morning. I was listening to, to NHL Sirius, and they were talking about Shea Theodore and the season he's had. And they were like, well, he didn't really have a great start. He had cancer. 
He didn't train last summer. Right. And actually, that's a joke in the dressing room right now. A couple of the guys have said to Shea, hey, you can't lift a weight or skate at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> take, take next summer off, too. Take next summer off. No, but like that's the, um, you know, the Masterton has kind of become this uh, comeback trophy. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure that's what it's meant to be, but that's uh, that's what it's evolved into. I think Shea is a finalist for the Masterton. Oh. Uh, considering on what the the Professional Hockey Writers Association, how they vote for that award, but that to me is remarkable. The guy didn't he didn't train. He spent you know the summer receiving treatment for cancer, and then you know doing whatever he could to be in uh, uh, to rest and then get in some form of shape for the start of training camp. And that uh, I think early on affected his game. But since Christmas, December 6th, there's a date out there, uh, December 6th or 13th, he's right behind Roman Yossi in the league lead in points since that date. A couple things. Number one, you you heard that uh, Shade talked about is, you know, one of those emerging players. But I have to point out our friend on the radio, JT the Brick, who's on the flagship, of course, Fox Sports Radio. He has been calling Shea Theodore the Golden Knights MVP for more than weeks. This is now yep. recently you see the the game winning goals, the over consecutive game winning goals, couple of overtime winners. That'll grab the headlines. My question to you though, Shane, how did this happen that it's come to this point? Now, Nick Holden and he had been partners for a long yep. time. How much was that part of it? Now that our Alec Martinez is his partner, how has that changed? And I'm wondering, is this just a natural evolution of games played or has something in particular happened to elevate him to this level? I think there's a lot of things. I think uh, Ryan McGill's had a huge impact yep. on him as the defensive coach. I think he's done a great job at, you know, giving him the leash. I think, you know, he probably learned a lot from, you know, Gerard Gallant when he's here. And now as a young player, you get another new coach that comes in and you can pick up more things as you go. And then you mentioned... Defender, he's not playing with young guys. Nick Holden, a real character guy that he's going to learn a lot of little things from. And then Alec Martinez comes in, a partner that's won two Stanley Cups. So for a young defenseman, you just pull information. You try to learn from every little bit you can. And then you tag that with the natural ability that's, you know, elite. It, it It's all coming together. And, and you're seeing this player... Uh, really develop. I think he's gotten more of a green light. We we show his shots per game has gone up. Like he was at every every month since the beginning. I think it was like two points something. Now he's you know well over four shots per game average here since February. So uh, he's a guy that's continuing to grow. And that's the other thing you look for. You look for growth. You look for you you want to see the trend up. You don't want to see the dips. And he's kind of gotten that steady. Well, it's almost going on a more of an elevated climb. But yeah. certainly it, it, it's the right. Right progression you want to see. He was kind of a broken player when he arrived. He was in a situation in Anaheim where they had a whole bunch of players that were young and on the blue line. And for whatever reason, Shea was not the favorite. And every mistake he made would end him up, would end him on the road back to San Diego. And uh, the coaching staff was really hard on him, and it affected his confidence. You have to allow players like that. Shea is the, the big thing for him now. He's not afraid to make yeah. a mistake. And why would you, why would you want to put a leash on that player? Because he makes you know more often than not, he makes good things happen with those with his skates and his ability to stick handle with his head up. And now we're seeing you know. When he first started to come along, someone in Toronto said to me, Shea Theodore does everything but score. 
And now all of a sudden the points are coming along as well. Points so, are coming along, Gary. It, to me, it's it's more than that. It's the decision making. It, there there were so many moments where there was indecisiveness, indecisiveness. Then oh, you turn the puck over. And that might have been fear. To, right. Ex- exactly. The it, decision it, now isn't to go. It's the decision now is not to go. He's the, the the green light's on all the time. Oh yeah. So now it's when when he has to make a decision. It's okay. Maybe I better not yeah, go. Th- there's just there's no hesitation. Yeah. There, there's no concern. There's no fear. And that seems to have just opened him up to be the to be closer to the potential that I'm sure he has seen in himself that a lot of people have, have expected from him. But Shane point. Sorry, Dave. No, no, good, no, good. Shane pointed at Ryan McGill. I think Ryan McGill has yeah. done a brilliant job, and I think probably Pete DeBoer walking through the door, having just coached Burns and Carlson, probably just looked to, to McGill and said, get him, get him going, because yeah. he has been up the ice even more. Yeah. Oh, well, it's interesting, Shane. We, you know, I asked Shane the other day because I, I looked at his numbers since the coaching change, and, and I, ha- I haven't run them this morning, but they played 22 games. I think he's got 18 or 19 points in those 22 games, and we've talked about the big goals, and I said, so what's – what's helped is, is that is the change helped you in any way? And he said, it's been more how they've tweaked how they play. So they spend less time in their own end. They have cleaner breakouts. You know, you could speak to this, Shane. They have that weak side defenseman. They're encouraged to join the rush. You know, the first practice, first full practice, Pete DeBoer had in Montreal. We all sat there and watched him. You know, have that that weak side D jump in to make it a four man attack. And he had three assists the game in Montreal. And he had three yeah. assists in the game in Montreal. And he said that that has really translated the tweak in how they've played has really helped him um, to elevate his game to another level. And I'll just jump in real goals. quick. The numbers, yeah. by the way, seven goals, eleven assists. That's eighteen points in twenty two right. games, plus nine since the coaching change. And to your point, Gary, you're talking about uh, when he was in Anaheim. And it's funny when uh, when I was in Boston. So you only see the teams out west twice a year. But I remember seeing him in a couple of games against the Bruins, thinking, "Young, he can skate, he can move the puck, his vision." But then you only see him in a brief circumstance. So the first year of the Golden Knights, when the team was going to the playoffs. I looked at his numbers, and he played 14 playoff games a year before for Anaheim. They went to the West Final and lost to Nashville. So I said to Shea, I said, just, you know, for my own, did you get hurt? Or, you know, because the team played, we'll say, 20 playoff games for the sake of argument. He said, no, they took me out of the lineup. Randy Carlisle was the coach, wanted to get <laughs> Kevin Bieksa in, and and they pulled Theodore out yeah. of the lineup. And Well, I played for Carlisle. There's, there, there's, uh, You've been down that said, road. Uh, <laughs> mistakes uh, are not forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> you managed, I, I managed to tell oh. the whole story without mentioning Randy. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> I knew where you were going <laughs> like, with that. Well, how but did, but at the same Why? time, Why who won the Pacific Division all those years? I yeah. and, yep. by the, and by the same token, and Randy Carlisle won a Stanley Cup, right? But by the yep. same token, uh, who did the Ducks, you know, they maneuvered. To, to get rid of Clayton Stoner's yeah. contract and to get Shea Theodore down down Another the road to Vegas, into Vegas instead of they wanted they didn't want Brandon Montour touched they didn't want Josh Manson touched Hampus and, and Hampus Lindholm like they they picked a bunch of guys ahead of Shea I think. Now, Manson is a different player, but you look at all those guys together, I'm taking Shea Theodore all day long. Yeah, he's been... I think if you asked Anaheim, they might... Yeah. They might want to re... They Do over. Undo it. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of young players, the emergence of Nick Waugh. Another move they made. Another move they made. The Eric Holler trade in the offseason um, to free up cap space, quite frankly, you know, to move Holler and Colin Miller, and they didn't... They traded Nikita Gusev. They didn't want to... You know, the, the money wasn't going to be there for him. But for Waugh, who's had this... 
this back and forth up and how many transactions is it 30 now 30 between here and <laughs> the American Hockey League and probably a 31st coming before yes. the game uh, in a couple of days um, you know and he said to you Dan recently he's been in a hotel all year be it there or here he's been in a hotel he hasn't been in a home since, right. since this summer at his parents place yeah and so he's now young. Yeah, you're fine. You know, you can make your bed every day for you. You can room service if you want it. How bad can it be? But now, with the injury to Mark Stone and Alex Tuck still out, he's he. You know, he gets elevated to play on that line with Carlson and Pacioretty. Boy, has he been he's been a difference maker. He really has. You know, must have changed the minds of people even within the organization. You know, just a little history on Nick Waugh. and this goes to the credit of. Like Kelly McCrimmon, it's you know he he's he he does, never stops working, and neither does his staff. So when you go to the to the Calder Cup Western Conference Final, which is where the best sort of prospects that aren't in the NHL are, a lot of them are playing because they've driven their teams to that point. And you you know when you go to one of those games and there's three executives from the Golden Knights, they're watching their team, but they're also watching the opposition. And then you go to the final. And there's even more than three at those games. And while they're watching the games, they're like, yeah, that guy playing center for Charlotte, he's pretty good. So then when they get to brass tacks in July and they need to make a trade and Carolina is like, you know, well, you know, who knows what the discussions are, but when there's everybody on their st- on their roster is untouchable and you've got three guys in the room pushing Nick Waugh forward, uh, saying to McCrimmon and McPhee, get that guy, get that guy. That's uh, that that really shines a, I think, a real positive light on the people that are that are working behind the scenes. The people, by the way, that you know pushed to get Mark Stone, pushed to get Chandler Stevenson, pushed to get Nick Waugh, um, Alec Martinez, Robin Leonard, like Nick this cousins, it, Nick Cousins, mm-hmm. like these these have all been really positive acquisitions for the Golden Knights. And it goes back to the, the the pro scouting staff that you know that McCrimmon and McPhee put together, uh, you know, prior to even having a, a team on the ice. So kudos to Vaughn Carpin and Kelly Kissio and uh, Jimmy McKenzie and that crew. Everything they've asked Waugh to do, Shane, he's done. So when your player called up there, especially for Nick Waugh, and he was put first off in the fourth line position, so he certainly has an attention to the defensive side of the puck. A real awareness, smart positioning, strong stick, strong strong in the defensive areas down low. Also a guy not afraid to get on the forecheck, to get in, make hits, speed. And and, and you lo- I love that part of him. When we saw him, I'm like, this he's going to be a really good guy on that line because his size, kid. strong on the draw, good on the penalty kill. I think he's, he's going to develop into one of their top penalty killers. I really do. Uh, because he has that where he's he's got the ability he's got a little bit of Mark Stone in him with that long reach that mark uh, long stick strip pucks away, but now opportunity comes and it's like there's another side to it that that you know takes you from being kind of here on the chart to oh maybe he's a guy up here because there there's a confidence with the puck there's a patience with the puck there there's an ability to make plays. Uh, you know, I, I think of some of the plays. That, he was their best player in Winnipeg in the first period. I know he had that turnover late, but he made a play, and, and I won't forget this, his was, was penalty kill. He hung on the puck at his own blue line, kind of delayed, made plays. He, he, he waits for guys to bite and 
went all the way up and set up William Carlson with a backhand for for a one-time opportunity shorthanded. There's little things that he's adding to his game. It's, and, and that comes with confidence because he's put in this uh, elevated position and this opportunity that you want to grab hold of, and he certainly has. And and then the next thing that you want to see develop, which you know makes you become a full-time pro athlete, is consistency. Consistent efforts. And uh, I'd be hard-pressed to find a game where he's really kind of dipped off. There, there's going to be mistakes, but I think, yeah. and Pete DeBoer, I asked him, he, he's going to allow those more now because you want him to have the ability to make plays. So they didn't even address the turnover. No. Exactly. And why would you? Exactly what I was going to say. Let Jay. it go. And there was another one in the game last night in Edmonton where it was a neutral zone yeah. pass for Will Carlson. The timing wasn't there. And, you know, you, you could see, we were talking a little bit earlier about the fear of making a mistake for Shea Theodore. I mean, Nick Wad just turned 23 years old just a couple of weeks ago. There will be a couple of those moments where he he doesn't want to screw up, so he ends up screwing up. But, as you say, all of the good you take with it. The other thing I want to mention, the last several days he had been on the power play at practice. The Golden Knights only had three power play chances total in the previous three games. And when they did score one the other day, it was before the second unit could even come on. So... When the Knights got the power play early in Edmonton, yeah. it was really his first opportunity in game action on the power play. And what does he do? He puts himself in front of the net. Nate Schmidt shoots it. And at first they gave the goal to Nate. Then they review it. They gave it to Nick because he got a piece of it. But regardless of whether he got a piece of it or not, he was where he needed to be. He's six foot four. He's right in front of a six foot seven goalie. I mean, that's not something yeah. that the Knights have had a lot of. And I wonder, and we, we kind of went down this line, uh, down this road a little bit on Lawless and Order the other night, Gary, about, and it's always dicey, if and when they're all healthy. Yeah. Where does everyone, you know, they, so right now, no Stone, no Tuck, and we don't know the status of Chandler Stevenson. Hopefully, get an update. Like Tuck said it was minor. Yeah, minor he, setback. He said minor setback because right. we expected him to kind of come on at the end of the trip, but, yeah. you know, and. And, and back to Nick Waugh, he's kind of helped really fill in with the absence of these two right wingers. My kind of thought is it's a combination. The third line when everyone is right is a combination of Stevenson. Cousins. And Tuck. Tuck. Yeah. Well, Cousins played well Cousins on the fourth good, line but too. He, but yeah. but a, he, he makes plays. Tuck can finish. But that's the thing. They you got a bunch I mean? of guys that are, are so versatile. Like yes. you could you could mix and match your bottom six however you like. For sure. I liked I like the speed on that line. And I also like the fact that Wah has proven the, uh, that he can play on the wing and it his play doesn't drop off. Some guys struggle to uh to make that adjustment when they're centers to go on the wing. And- Mark Stone I'd like to see back. Yeah. Yeah. We know <laughs> Be where good he's, if they could get him back. We know where he's going. Well, but we talked about the 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 Right now, the competition with the goaltenders back and forth, it's plain to see. There's just two of them, and they're alternating yeah. games. Even though we don't see it directly or as obviously right now, there has to be observation, competition oh, going on game. right now oh, yeah. so that when those players come back, and I'll use the quote again that Pete DeBoer said just the other day, um, at any position, not just goaltending, at any position, competition is a great motivational tool. Yep. And the players who are realizing that right now, who are elevating their game, Take advantage are going to... Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing when you look at the remaining schedule, guys. There's only one game. Well, the only game left against the East is Detroit. Yeah. All the other games are against teams that... You know, like Colorado's not fighting for a playoff spot. I mean, I, they're, they're all teams in the hunt. But they're all teams in they're the hunt. They're praying today. 
praying that um, yeah. Nathan McKinnon's okay. They already have seven regulars out of their lineup. Pretty big piece there. Yeah, good hurt last night. but um, And it could go right down to that final four-game trip for the Golden Knights. But I, And I think it's, Pete DeBoer was asked about this. I think it's a good thing that they're playing meaningful games at this time. Sets you up better yeah. heading into the playoff. I always... There's teams in different... You know, like teams that have they made... Go, oh, like, can we go back to last year? What team had it wrapped up from... Third. They didn't play a meaningful right. game from right. February stuck on. In third, stuck yeah. in third. Hurt. You know, you've got teams that are, you know, Boston, Tampa, St. Louis, teams that are pretty much clinched a spot. Then you get teams that are just playing it out. Yeah. Golden Knights are with a lot of teams that are fighting every single night for, for playoff position. I heard a really interesting comment last night, and I want to uh, run it by you guys. Someone was said to me, well, <laughs> McDavid being out of the lineup matters more to Edmonton than Stone being no. out of the, than Stone being out of the lineup and then the person said not because McDavid's a better player than Stone because then this person said I'm not willing to say that when you look at Stone's 200 foot game versus McDavid's 200 foot game I think that it's a lot closer than than a lot of people would 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 argue the thing is, is that when you take Stone out, Vegas is so deep; it's not as much. It's, the cut okay. isn't the cut isn't as sharp. When you take McDavid out of the Oilers, Oilers lineup because they're not deep, it really wounds them. It was interesting. Uh, That's actually a pretty good take. That's it. a really yeah. good take. I wondered I where you're going with it, but yeah. now I agree. I agree. I, mean, I was I mean, ready to argue. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, it's and it's McDavid Talk and Drysdale. I mean, you got two players. I mean, McDavid's at 96 points, but he's going to likely get to 100 here shortly. Drysdale's at 110. No points in the game, the last two against the Golden Knights. No but, shots. Right, no shots. First time all year last night, right? And the game with Columbus, it was the first time that the Oilers had won this year without a point from Dreisaitl, which just underscores McDavid and Dreisaitl, the two engines to drive that team. And if you take just one of them out, it's not quite the same. Although, Miko Koskinen had something to say about that last night. He was terrific against the yeah, Golden Pete Shirelli, so somewhere last night, Pete Shirelli was saying, I told you so. Remember when he signed him that three-year yeah. deal and everybody was like, what are you doing? Well, he he's a pretty good well, goaltender. I'll tell you that. The Oilers, they, they've got to figure it out. They haven't been good. And I think, no. you know, Dave Tippett after the game, which is good for Golden Knights. You hope they continue to play like that because, you know, that goaltending can only go so far. Um, but 23 to three at one point, the shots last night, right? Well, they're five on five plays too. Like they've everything they've, they've done so far is their power play and their penalty kill. They, we we probably so should underscore the fact that the golden Knights achieved probably <laughs> mission. Number one, no penalty. They, yes. they took, they took so you just keys to, to the game, off. Dave. <laughs> right. No, they don't get those keys just anywhere. You play five, on five. Said play five on five. Wow, you guys ever smart. <laughs> So, um, all right, fellas. So a couple of road games coming up. We mentioned uh, has not gone well against Minnesota in general over the last three seasons. The Golden Knights will look to change that coming up uh, on Thursday, right? What's today? Tuesday? Thursday. I don't know. <laughs> yep, it's either a game day or not a game day. <laughs> I don't know, we just got home I at know. Uh, 2 or 3 in the morning. After three games in four days, it's one game in five days. Yeah. And then uh, Colorado, Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock mm. game. But as we said, the Avalanche. So the scores against Colorado this year have not been promising. 6-1 and 7-3. But there's no time like the present <laughs> to change that. Uh, and especially, I mean, I know the Golden Knights have key people out, but they don't have seven people out like Colorado does. But um, for the Golden Knights, a great chance to, you know, to try to put some more points in the bank here as they get down inside about. the final 10 games of the year. So, all right, I think that's going to wrap it up. All uh, right. Good this stuff. has gone marginally well for our first podcast here in the, in the palatial studio. Live. 
Live too. This live is uh, this has been fantastic. Li- it's our first official live. First official. Well, we did it live when we used to do it on the stage at the D with the bikini. Oh yeah, dance. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mankini. But dance. it wasn't streamed was out to the. It was only live to the people yeah. watching yeah. in front of Dave, <laughs> Dave would go from performing to coming on stage. Oh yeah. Oh, started goodness. singing to the people this during breaks. The end is near. Double A, thank you. uh, uh, Adam back there doing all the... uh, Andrew, I I used to know an Adam Alperts, and I always think of you. uh, Your your name is uh, Andrew, not Adam. But I'm I'm sure that people are really glad to know that. Double A. Stick the nicknames, Dave. A real interesting nugget for the 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 watchers and listeners. There's also also an Andrew Alberts. Yes, yeah, I remember him. He played for the Bruins people. Let's go. That's right. Gary's oh, man, he's got things here. to do. He's, he's been off his busy, phone for 30 minutes. He's, he's, got, he's like shaking or he's like grabbing <laughs> on under the table. I've been, I've been he's like, doesn't know what to do with himself. I've, I've been checking. Give me my phone. I'm waiting for a memo from the executive producer to say, yeah, stay off your rap. phone. Exactly. Gary can put a teenager to shame with yeah. the phone use. They don't stand a chance. But anyway, watch <laughs> us on TV. Listen on the radio. Whatever uh, mode of uh, communication you choose to, uh, to see us or listen to us uh, in Minnesota and then in Colorado. That'll wrap it up for us. The Sheriff Lawless some guy named Dave podcast coming in from our beautiful brand new studios here downtown Summer. We'll talk to you next time.